Hello, and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we are discussing music in worship. So let's get started. Hey, Lindsay. Uh, it's, it's good to be able to just sit down and, and talk about some issues that, that are important, and I think oftentimes can get lost is because it is perceived as just window dressing uh, that that really has nothing to do with um, you, you know with the actual event or the actual ritual we are involved in and and part of that is you know music I, I think it, it the importance of it the value of it uh, what it adds uh, how it is essential to the to the makeup is that we can forget that it has a lot more significance than than oftentimes given credit for. I mean, it's praying twice, right? That's what it, I believe it's Augustine that said: those who sing pray twice. Yes, and in some ways, you know, there there's a significant. I, I think of that, you know, and. and I'm in the midst of, of uh, purchasing some windows, as if you needed to know that. Um, <laughs> Side note. <laughs> the, uh, but what's fascinating when somebody is trying to tell you something uh, or sell you something, maybe that's even more, is that you begin to look at, at it differently than you normally would. You know, and, and they, would, they will talk to you about the materials that the windows are made out of, the 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 glass what what uh, what that has to offer the gas between the two panes what the, that has the to what offer. the gas gas y- yes okay. gas G-A-S. what I thought you said but uh, gas yes. in windows what uh, it's or the film that is between layers you know there are just so many pieces and one might say you know even when they talk about uh, the shades and that you have that that can make a huge difference depending upon how much cold air is or is not entering into the house. Man, you really are buying new windows. Yeah, I am. <laughs> is that, I look at that a lot of times and, and oftentimes saying, we miss the value of music in our times of worship or we don't give it any significance. And so as a consequence, what happens is that Music is either something, well, I know if they start now, uh, the song will go on for a few minutes. Well, we'll get there, you know, maybe by the time the song ends. Or at the end of the worship is that let's leave because that's the closing song. And what we are missing are a couple things. One, the beauty that music can bring to us. Two, the message mm-hmm. that, be- that music can bring to us. Three, how the hand and the, and the Spirit of God may be working through the song more than anything else during the Eucharist or, or any other type of prayer experience. Is that here again we limit, somehow we can limit, and this is something that in many ways was advocated prior to the Second Council. I mean, that, that is that you were believed to have attended Mass if you got to the, you know, uh, exposition, that was, you know, when the Blessed Sacrament would be raised, mm-hmm. you know, when the gifts were being prepared and such. And uh, after communion, you made Mass. Didn't have to have anything concerning homily, opening song, 
none of that was important. Hmm. And, and so that has been, in many ways, a carryover. Yeah. Either people getting there late or leaving early. What sometimes drives me a little nuts is that a person will get there, you know, a half an hour to an hour early and then leave three or four minutes, you know. Before the end of Mass. Yeah, before yeah. the end of Mass. And so when with the Second Vatican Council, as they looked at the Eucharist and the celebration of Eucharist, it was recognizing that if we are to have full and active participation, that means that as, as a, uh, a leader of, of a parish, as a leader of music or whatever, somehow we need to help engage people in all parts of the Mass. And I made this comment, you know, uh, this past Sunday when inviting people to, to start to get uh, involved in ministries. And I said, you know, you're not here to watch the Father Howard show. This is not about me. You're here to engage and participate in Eucharist. And that means in all of the different ways, if at all possible. It means, you know, not only by our bodily movements and such, standing, sitting, kneeling, but our voices responding and singing in ways that we help to minister to the community. And so it's, 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 it's like, you know, in some ways, it would be like somehow you, you go through an entire play, but you miss the final act. You, you listen to opera, and, and you don't want to hear the last couple pieces of music. We wouldn't do that. Why would we do that in one of the most, if not the most important celebrations that we engage in on a regular basis in our lives? And music has so much, so much to do with that. Honestly, as a singer, it drives me insane when people leave before the song's done. Not because I want them to hear me sing, but because it is so distracting um, when people are moving and, and doors are opening. And I've had it where someone's leaving the church. I'm still singing. My music flies. And I'm like, okay, this isn't helpful. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yes, in the middle of a very significant part, all of a sudden you hear the door ka-chunk because they have that clicking sound, yeah. you know. Yes, and to me it's disrespectful. Now, lest anyone call and saying, well, you know, I had to have a heart surgery, you know, five seconds after that song. There is always the exception. Mm-hmm. But it's the exception. It shouldn't be the rule. And, and it is very evident that there are those... You know, um, sometimes in the back of church, people, is that all of a sudden, you know, what was a full section is that there's virtually no one in the back six or seven pews in church. See, right now they can't can't do that because they, you know, you're all you all come to them for communion. Correct. So they can't just scoot out. Yeah. But I wonder what happens when we go back to being in the line and now they can just scoot out the door. And, and that's the temptation. You know, I've done. I'm done now. I got Jesus. I don't need any of this other baloney. And it's, it's, you know, you want to say, well, maybe in this, quote, other baloney, I've heard called a lot of other things, <laughs> maybe in this other baloney, that is where the voice of God is going to speak in a way that you have yet to experience, and you have basically just slammed the door in God's face. Does that sound like Catholic guilt? Absolutely, because it's a lack of understanding of what we're doing and why, and 
a lack of understanding that Eucharist has a beginning and an end. And if you are not there for both of it, you haven't been there for the entire Eucharist. Um, now that I don't think is really harsh, it's just plain reality, mm -hmm. is that if you wish to attend Eucharist, you know, then attend the whole Eucharist, not just, you know, somehow the middle part. Um, because maybe the middle part won't even speak to you. Maybe the... It's usually the homily, you know. We hope. We <laughs> always hope. Okay. All right. Sorry, distracted no, from but, music. But, but why yes. we, 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 we center on that a bit is that when we think about celebrating the Eucharist, which is certainly the, the most important, you know, ways of worship in a way, is that this also applies to other times or other ways that we worship, such as a pause to worship, such as reconciliation services, and all different types of services ways that we gather as a community to take time to pray and, and to reflect and to recognize that somehow in the midst of it all, there is nothing less than the presence of the divine one that we worship. So when we think about Eucharist, though, primarily, is that it's about thanksgiving. It's about praising. Uh, it's about reflecting. It's about asking for forgiveness. It's about being able to experience and receive the body and blood of the risen Christ in our presence, you know, body, soul, and spirit, that somehow when we fail to, to, to put the whole thing together is that it's, it's failing to appreciate what Eucharist is in its entirety. <clears throat> you know, we don't make an angel food cake by leaving out the eggs you know, because it's an essential part, you know, not having, you know, uh, why don't we have a silent mass, Father, um, which has been... Are those things real? Well, they used to be, yes. Um, you'd have a, a silent mass, and you'd have a low mass, a high mass. And I'd probably fall asleep. Uh, yeah. And it had a lot to do with whether we included music or not. Hmm. Um, the difference between a low and a high mass. And if you had a solemn high mass, that was where you had even more music. Your Gloria itself would probably take eight to ten minutes or Ooh. more. Is, and usually, most likely done in Latin, most likely done in chant of some sort. But that was a solemn high mass. But it's like, well, I'd rather go to a low mass, Father, because then there's no music. There's, there's nothing that distraction. Faster. Yeah, yeah, yes. Or as they will put politely, there's just none of that distraction. Anyway, we have a ways to go. Even to this very day, we have a ways to go to help people understand why we're doing what we're doing and how it's done. Mm -hmm. So you look at these key pieces of, of what it means and you think, well, who cares about music? And yet, and yet, when you look at this, is that you look at any major sports event. You look at what they have is that they have music, they have a national anthem. It's like, let's get rid of it. Why waste our time with the national anthem? Why waste our time with, you know, take me out to the ball game? Why waste it? That's Roll just, out the barrel. <laughs> yeah. That's just extra stuff, Father. That's, <coughs> excuse me, 
that's just a bunch of extra stuff that we, we want this to go quicker. And yet people would be outraged if we didn't have the national anthem. I have nothing against the national anthem. The only people that don't seem to know it are usually the major singers who try to sing it. Um, hey, that is like one of the hardest songs to sing. It, so, And yes, and I would expect anyone invited to sing it would know it instinctively. Anyway. Yeah, but nerves get the better of people sometimes. Not when they're paid what they're paid. So <laughs> when we look at, at all of these things, is that in almost any event where we gather people together, what do we do but we have music? Mm-hmm. And, and, and so when you think about, you know, when you look at major sports events, it's literally like a secular liturgy. You have your opening song, you have your preparation rites, you have your major meat prayers, Eucharistic prayer, you have your closing rites, and you have your recessional hymn. It's secular liturgy. Never thought about it that way. We do the same thing in many ways, and yet you usually don't see people leaving or coming in, you know, you know, after the uh, opening rites are all done and leaving before the closing rites. Mm, depends on where you well, are. Or how good the game is playing. Yes. Um, but the thing is, is that when you look at, at worship, worship has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Mm-hmm. And all of these things, when you think about the music, what is the opening hymn those things trying to do? To bring quiet people down, to bring them into focus, Mm -hmm. to let them know, folks, you know, let us all stand for the Pledge of Allegiance and for the National Anthem. What does that do? Brings people together, brings people into focus. Let us all rise as we open our time of prayer. Mm -hmm. Um, It brings people to focus. It brings people, you know, to to center on, on what's going to happen. It helps us to bring everybody's thought. And all of this music, as you well know, all of this music is somehow rooted and planned in light of the sacred scriptures and in the prayers that we use. And a lot of folks saying, well, why did you choose that song? It's because the same theme is found in the first, the second, and the gospel. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And, and, you know, we we sometimes, we don't make that connection. So it helps us to focus. It, it's, you know, particularly that, as we were saying, it, the theme is on, on the readings, that what we hear in the sacred scriptures is emphasized then in the psalm response, in the hymns that we use, mm-hmm. so that it's like driving home. It's, it, in a way, you might almost compare it to, it's like, you know, seeing that instant replay time and time <laughs> yeah. and time again. Okay, yeah. we get it. Yes. The ball went in the hole. Get over it. It's that type of thing that it's, it keeps people's attention, or hopefully it should. Mm-hmm. It keeps people's attention. And hopefully pulls out that one theme that you should be getting out of them. <laughs> and it should be maintaining in some ways the excitement. Mm-hmm. Yes, there is excitement in liturgy. It's different than you know necessarily a basketball game, of course. But there should be some enthusiasm about what we are celebrating, what we've heard in the sacred word, and then what we are about to 
engage in when we talk about the presence of the Lord in, in, in our Eucharist. Liturgy does all of that. Liturgy also, with a good, you know, sense of silence, you know, that, that needs to be somehow intermittent with that. It can help us to breathe. It can help us to pause for a moment. You know, they don't have a seventh inning stretch just because people have to go get a beer. Is that it's like we need at some point to pause. We need at some point to take a breath, that we have a break. That's why we have half times. Is that it's recognizing you can't maintain that mm -hmm. because we just humanly can't maintain that all the time. And in fact, we, you know, we wouldn't be able to appreciate if we didn't have some of that respite, you know, in, 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 even in our, our, our sports events and such. Well, we need respite, you might say, in liturgy too. Why you have, when we think of a psalm response, why you have moments of silence, why you have a, reflect, a meditation song. These are moments to let us sit and breathe not to give us a chance to run out of church. Um, it's, it's being able to, to, again, appreciate what we have just engaged in. So when we think about music, it's not just about, you know, lace and flourish. <laughs> it's essential to what we do, just as those other pieces are essential to what they do in secular liturgical rites, you know, and we don't want to think about that because, but it is when you think it's, it's, it's all there. It's all there. Um, former professor of mine, uh, a couple of professors actually who taught us Eucharistic theology, you know, they literally broke down like a, a major, major league game, football, basketball, baseball, whatever. And they broke it down into all of the different sections <laughs> saying, you know, it's all there. We would ritualize pretty much anything because we as people need ritual in our lives. Need some structure. Yep. And, and the predictability helps to shape and form identity. It helps to shape and form the concepts of why we're there and the concepts of, of what we do next. It helps us to anticipate, you know, what is coming up next. So in order to regain some of the excitement that uh, that is yet to come. Now, whether that's a halftime show or the closing show or it's the kingdom of God. I mean, really, when you think about this, this is to help us to grow in an appreciation of the tremendous, tremendous events that are yet to come. We don't know exactly when. That's the thing with you know, liturgical things and, and secular things is generally we know when it's going to happen in the secular world. We don't know necessarily, but that's the whole idea of Advent and patient anticipation and waiting. We don't need to know. What we need to do is embrace the fact that it is going to come and that it is true and, and the hope that all of these events can help us to embrace and to recognize. So when you start to think about, you know, this all, this whole picture, uh, music, you know, 
becomes a piece of that which is essential to help us to get where we want to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, 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 you know, you you watch some of the things concerning, uh, I believe what they call the Deer District now that they're in, you know, the turn <laughs> the bucks, yes, 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 the bucks, is that you have how much music plays a part in that. How much music plays a part during the break time. Get everyone hyped. Exactly. That's what music ought to do in, you not only get everybody, everybody hyped, which they ought to be excited about <laughs> what is yet to come, but it's also at times to bring calm. Music, you know, as, as you know more than probably I do in some ways, music, you know, it can stir emotions. It can bring people to tears. It's my favorite part. You know? Stirring emotion. That's what I'm all about. <laughs> you know, it can it can bring memories. There are, you know, I think about this, uh, the uh, the radio station here in West Bend. It plays a lot of the, what we would consider oldies. Now, we're talking <laughs> 50s and 60s music. Yeah, and, way before my time. Yeah. Is that there are songs that just stir memories. Mm-hmm. Memories of people, events, um Moments in time, uh, and, and music can do that. Music can calm us. You think about music and what it, the effect that it can have on children, on adults, on, on, on so many people, is having that, that just that, that calm. And there are certain types of music that you know, I will play at certain points, maybe in my vehicle or whatever, because I just need... To, to, to breathe. I just need to decompress. And, you know, uh, Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones is not going to help me do that. Um, you mean and, opening your window and, like, singing really loud out the window doesn't help you decompress? No, I prefer Enya. Um, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> but it's, it's to bring calm. Okay. And music does that. Mm-hmm. It does that in Eucharist also. Uh, at times, when you've you, you you've heard the first two readings, and they can be really charged, and then you get into the psalm, it can both it can just pull at a, a piece out of those readings, and then it can also help us to breathe and prepare for what is yet to come in the gospel. You look at the uh, hymns during the preparation of the gifts. I like I like sliding in a calming one there. Mm-hmm. You know, yes, at times it can be, you know, to kind of regenerate, regenerate. But you're right. At times that, you know, preparation song can, it's like, wow, we've just been, hopefully you've had, you know, something really good happening in the homily and the scriptures. Mm-hmm. And now it's like, okay, <laughs> we need to prepare for yet another high point or a meditation song mm-hmm. where we just sit and listen. Let, let the words of the music, let the music speak. Um, powerful, powerful moments if we aren't so much in a doggone rush to get the heck out of there. God speaks in lots of ways. And, and so often, you know, I have found that just the powerful expression of the divine, you know, through powerful music. Powerful music. Mm-hmm. When, when I was talking about, you know, just... Uh, the music, you know, at, at times, you know, people, again, who we talked a little bit, referred to it, is that we um, uh, looked at it saying, well, the music isn't just chose by, ran- by, by a random choice. 
Sometimes get, when I can't well, decide what to put in. Okay, but it most is. times it's not. <laughs> you know, you just don't throw the book open saying, Oh, let's do that one. And so it's a Christmas hymn in the middle of June. We generally Ooh, don't do that. We could do Christmas in July. We could. But the scriptures are, are rooted in the, in the season of the year mm-hmm. and are rooted in the scriptures that we hear, which are rooted in the seasons of the year. Yeah. And so you, when, when music is chosen, you know, the fact that both you and Kurt, you sit down and you, you look at the scriptures, you look at the prayers, and then be able to ask yourself what music will help people to experience everything we're trying to kind of encapsulate here. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a terribly important f- part, is that we recognize that the music is to be, you know, theologically sound. Is that you know there was times when, when a lot of experimentation was going on, is that you know some of the music lacked a lot. Okay, it just plain lacked a lot of theological underpinnings. It might have been a catchy tune, but it just didn't speak of what really what we're trying to capture and the things that really do the ones that really capture people are the ones that people you will hear that are are what we oftentimes refer to anyway i would refer to because i i remember being referred to this one in high school and such the old barn burners (laughs) you know the ones that that people belt out whether they know it or not but they belt it out the ones that people are familiar with. And those change over time. Mm-hmm. You know, you look at, you know, a, a, a piece of music, some of the Marian hymns, for example, that we have. Uh, Hail Holy Queen, uh, Ave Maria. When uh, they Those aren't really, Ave Maria, I wouldn't well, call that a barn burn. <laughs> no, but it's very much loved by a lot. Yes, yes. But these pieces of music were hated when they first came out. They were seen as disrespectful. They were seen as heretical. They were seen as, you know, as garbage. We just have the sense of history that, as you, again, know as well as I, that any wedding or funeral or something like that, and almost always the Ave Maria, you would never have had that song sung when it first came out. Hmm. Or things like How Great Thou Art or Amazing Grace. These are songs that virtually any Catholic or Christian denomination probably most know by heart Mm -hmm. and are belted out virtually at anything they do is that they were not well received when they were first written. And yet today, they're probably memorized more than most other songs that we have. Today, you might say also you have songs like On Eagle's Wings, How uh, Be Not Afraid, you're hitting um, all the high notes here, Father. Is that, you know... Funeral top ten right there. Yeah, they, they connect with people. You know, they connect with people. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, you know, it's the 100th time, you know, that we've heard it. Uh, but it's the first time maybe they've heard it. Um, I remember when they had the Eucharistic Congress, the very first Eucharistic Congress... And the song written for that Congress was Gift of Finest Wheat. You couldn't go to a Mass to save your soul for the next year or so. And every celebration where the bishop was at is they had 
the gift of finest wheat. And you wanted one of the bishops somewhere along the line to ban that song forever. Now, do I like the song I'll, Gift of I'll Finest Wheat? I'll do that. Wheat? I'm happy. If, I'm fine Yes, with I that. do. I like the song, but it was so overused. Mm -hmm. Obviously, you don't hear it as often now. But you do hear it, mm -hmm. and it still has a sound theological underpinnings. And so it's part of a repertoire that people do use. Like I said, it got overused, unfortunately. <laughs> but it's certainly, you know, it captured the imagination of people. It captured in so many ways. It captured what was going on in the church at the time. It captured the musical sensibilities of, of people who would use variations of how it would be played and how it would be sung. Um, you know, like I said, overused. <laughs> but now you start to hear it a little bit more. And it's nice to have it come back. I, like I said, I don't mind the song at all. Um, Not my favorite, but you know. You know, it's... it's it, music, it, it captures us. Mm -hmm. And it has such an important part. Um, but but music also, you know, and I think that when we think sometimes of, of some of the music that hasn't stuck with us or whatever, is that music has to be not only theologically sound, but it has to be able to be sung. Yeah, that's the important part. <laughs> you know, that people can actually sing it. That... You know, when a song can't be sung by the congregation, it it's going to fall flat on its face. It just it's going to fall There's flat. There's music on its face. in the book, and you know, people are like, "Let's do this song," and you'll sing through it, and you're like, "I can't even sing this. No one else is going to be able yeah. to sing this. This is terrible." And it might be great as a solo mm -hmm. somewhere. It might be great as a choir piece somewhere, but. It's not great for congregational singing. And the whole point of a congregation being there is to participate. Mm -hmm. Not that there isn't room for reflection and meditation and silence. Of course there is. But key pieces and such, you, you know, uh, are, are pieces that a congregation needs to be able to engage in. One of the things, for example, is that um, there's some pretty good glorias out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where people are actually able to sing, and, and, and I enjoy that. Uh, sometimes where we mess up is that there are some fine renditions of the Lord's Prayer. But there are a goodly number where no one can sing except the choir <laughs> or a soloist. And, and that prayer, the Lord's Prayer, for the, you know, just for the record, is a prayer that is to be either said or sung congregationally. It is never to be done as a solo. It is simply not. That, that prayer, the very nature of the prayer is that the congregation sings it together. Uh, that's why sometimes we need to, as, as musicians, as liturgists, we need to make sure that it's, again, not about a particular person's show. Mm -hmm. as about how do we help the, engage the congregation so that they always know that they have a part and a place in order to pray with and for each other and with the presider. Yeah, I think that's one 
issue at some of the masses that we have here because we are so blessed here with our music ministry and like really good cantors and people who can lead the mass but people also forget that you're supposed to be singing when you come to mass too and you can really tell as a cantor i love it when i can hear the congregation singing yes otherwise it's like crickets and you're like am i the only one singing this um a couple weeks ago we had i think uh, supper of the lord maybe i think that was a song for communion and the cantor missed her entrance, but the whole entire congregation, I, I was upstairs, and they started right on time, and it was fantastic. It just made me smile, the biggest smile, because I'm like, they're actually singing. And they want to. I think yeah. a lot of people want to. Um, unfortunately, I would like to see more people <laughs> want to, um, because it adds, it adds so much energy, as I'm sure mm-hmm. you experience, too. It adds... When we hear people singing and people responding, the energy levels just go up. Mm-hmm. I mean, even as a presider, as someone who, who preaches on a regular basis, when people are responding and have engaged in that opening song and, and the, the responsorial and, and the responses, it's like there is an energy that is created that, that you want to maintain both... In, in how you proclaim the word, how you preach, how you pray. It just raises the energy level. Mm-hmm. And it certainly helps me, and I would say any presider, it helps you to do a much better job when you know that congregation is with you. It, it just it makes all the difference. I mean, in the same in theater. If you're doing a show and no one's laughing or chuckling yes. or giving you anything, you're like, well... Are they understanding it? What's going on? Are they awake out there? I don't know. It's got to be the same. Absolutely. And because when you when you you really look at it is that good liturgy is about good drama, good theater. It's it's about engaging. It's about in some ways taking a person away from where they are and and helping to create that sense of the divine, that sense of of worship, that sense of ritual, that sense all of those things that help to lift the sagging spirit, to bring joy, to bring hope, um, to bring a sense of promise. Uh, yeah, and, and, if, and if it's nothing but, like you said, crickets out there, you, you do think, well, why don't we just wrap this up and all go home? Mm-hmm. You know, and boy, I tell you, there have been times when I have been so tempted, you know, with, with, with either no singing or that, saying, you know what? You don't want to be here. I don't want to be here. Let's just call it a day, say we met our obligation, and all go home. <laughs> because you, you, you ask yourself, you know, why are you here? Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, and no, I have never done that, the, the, I, and the hope is, is that no matter when it happens, is that the power and the grace of God is is always present and one has to be cautious to somehow say well obviously God's not here well of course God is I have to have my ears open as everyone else does to hear when the Spirit speaks and good music can help one do that Mm -hmm. good music can open hearts and, and open minds
and and it's it it can just help to make that celebration. You know, and we I know we've talked about this in, in some of our staff gatherings that you know the, the the three things that really keep people engaged in the parish, you know, hospitality, uh, good preaching, and good music. That you you can have one or sometimes one might be challenging because you just have a bad day preaching or music didn't just connect or or sometimes your ministers of hospitality may just have had a bad day or whatever. You're always going to have certain things. But the consistency in those three elements, that is what in so many ways will capture people and will help even, even when they're having a bad time maybe with some stuff, will help them stay connected to the parish. And it's, you know, that's why music and, and those kinds of things are just so, so vital when it comes to good prayer and helping people to, to experience, you might say, that which is not only that which they have now, but in so many ways that which is yet to come. And saying, wow, you know, there is just so much that's possible here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a little insight into my brain. I know when I'm picking music, I usually start with the psalm. Mm-hmm. Figure out, you know, do we know the psalm? Do we, okay. And then I'll read the readings and find out, oh, what's the theme? Is there, is there a song that pops into my head immediately when I mm-hmm. read the book? Because there all, usually is. Um, and then I'll go from there. Probably maybe opening communion is usually a communion-y hymn unless it's something specific where I'm like, oh, no, let's stick it in there. I try to calm it down at some point for the offertory. Sure. And then I like to have a barn burner yeah, for the end. So right. people you're have right. something to go out like humming or singing or, you know, leave them thinking of something happy and exciting. and <laughs> A tune they can't get out of their head for yes, a while. <laughs> give them an earworm. Yeah. That's kind of what I go for. So you can always tell if I, I pick the music for the weekend. <laughs> Because I always want it to end on like a really woohoo, <laughs> a high note. Well, I know that that for me, you know, you, you, I do. I work hard on the fact of wanting to preach well, mm-hmm. and so I work hard at, at preparing myself. But I know for a fact that you know sometimes you give a homily on Saturday night, particularly, it just falls flat. <laughs> no matter how many hours you put into it, it just anyway. I have felt. It is just plain bombed. Mm-hmm. And I have left church at different times, you know, after that, when some of those moments happen, and say to myself, what a load of baloney I just fed those people. And now, you know, how what they heard or whatever, it's, it's what I'm feeling at that point in time. Yeah. But I also know that when the music hits me, and, and oftentimes you know, we do, we do a good job here with music, when the music hits me, it often will inspire me saying, you know, that's the piece I was missing. That's kind of the point or, or yeah, you might say the spice that, 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 that make, will make this better. And I will change my homily in, in taking that into consideration <clears throat> because that somehow is the piece that I, I simply wasn't connected to. Oh, we've done the same thing. I'll leave church or I'll be like, why did we pick that song? That was terrible. Or um, when we ha- weren't using slides or didn't have any of like the sheets out and we'd be like, 
you know what, that didn't work. Let's swap these two yeah. songs or we'd switch it, you know, game time play. But yeah, definitely. We've we've done that too. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, and it's it, that's that's some of that behind the scenes stuff that, mm-hmm. that hopefully people grow with an appreciation for. But I just felt, you know, as 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 I mentioned when we began here, sometimes music and the value and the importance of it can be so underappreciated and seen somehow just as, like I said, window dressing, as opposed to part of the glue that can really keep it all together, that can bring about, you might say, the divine revelation that needs to be brought about because it just hits a person or people with a theme, an emotion somehow, mm-hmm. and, and that the importance of when music is done well, it is sacred, it is not performance, but truly, you know, it is stemming from and rooted in, you know, the divine presence that, that, that we celebrate in so many ways when it comes to liturgy and worship. Yeah, I know people often will say, thank you for, you know, singing, playing, whatever it is. Really, we appreciate all the thank yous, but we'd rather just hear you sing during Mass. Yeah, yeah we would. <laughs> Honestly. That'd be great. Well, that was a lot about music. Gives you something to think about. Hopefully the next time you're at Mass, you'll sing a little louder for us. Um, I think we'll leave it there for this time. And hopefully...